1: Shop now, in store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted. I am Tom Holland. This show is about helping you live your best life. And to do that, I need to talk about several different things, right? It's about motivation, it's about inspiration, it's about education, but I can't just give you the science. And I can't just give you the motivation. And I can't just bore you to death with the research and things like that. And I know some of you may want that, just the science. And I'm going to give you the science. But it, it needs to be totally focused on all those different areas because you can't have just one. That is the problem with fitness. That is why we need the disruption and why the disruption is is exactly what I'm bringing to you. It's the science, it's the motivation, it's the inspiration, it's changing behaviors, but it's not the ivory towers only. And it's not just the rah-rah. And that's the problem with so many of these so-called experts out there is they're either just giving you the science, but if you have the science and you can't really apply it, if it doesn't apply, if you can't work it into your everyday life, then it's worthless. It's worthless, right? But listen, people know what to do, you know what to do. Move more, eat less. But that's obviously not enough. So, this show, the disruption in fitness is taking all of those different elements. So, I'm going to have some shows with guys like David Garcia, who's a quote unquote real person who lost 160 pounds and has kept it off for almost a decade. Okay. I'm going to have guys like Dr. Daniel Lieberman, who is the preeminent. research scientists, I would argue, into human evolution and exercise and specifically running. What an amazing episode that is. If you haven't listened to that one, you should. But I'm not going to just bore you to death with the science and the, and the Daniel Liebermans. I'm not going to just bring you the real people. You're going to have a mix, okay? You're going to have a mix because that's the excessive moderation. That's what is needed to have a lifetime of happiness and health and wellness, you need it all, and you need a little bit of it all, not a lot of any one thing, okay? And that's what I've learned after being in this business for 30-some-odd for years. It's the balance, it's the blend of the motivation and the education and the inspiration. That's what works long-term, and we're going to figure out what works for you. If you're someone who loves the science, hey, you're going to get it. Not every time, not super deep, there's other shows for that, but I'm going to give you the science, but just enough. That's the art. And that's what's really challenging. And that's what I love. And guess what? I guarantee if you follow the advice here, if you listen, you will make incredible change. I loved that my first couple books that came out marathon book, triathlon book the common critique was this can't be enough. This can't possibly be enough. It is. And if you follow it, it works because my job is to get you the greatest results in the shortest amount of time for a lifetime with the least likelihood of injury, right? Can't bore you to death with the science, can't push you too hard. It's that blend, that balance that is everything. And balance is something that is completely lost in the approach to fitness. And today I'm going to take on actually four amazing topics with an amazing guest so excited and i knew of this guy back when i started as a personal trainer in new york city so many years ago we share the same uh, type of career path we both started as the trainer and worked our way up and then took it to different levels and that's one reason i am so excited to interview him because he's not just an ivory tower guy although he is a phd level research scientist now he was in the trenches And not every PhD guy and woman that I will interview will have both of those. But when I can get that, I'm going to get that for you. Because that's so important. Because that's what I'm talking about. You can't just have the research scientist who sits in his office, in his laboratory, on the university campus and just does research. Because you have to take that research and tell people what to do with it, okay? And you can't bore them to death with it. And it's got to be able to be utilized in real life situations. So... My guess coming up is both of those things, has both of those attributes, worked in the trenches, worked in the gyms, and then took it way, way, way above that. Research scientist, he is the author of numerous books. He's an editor of numerous journals, just awesome, an incredible research scientist and researcher. But again, he has that blend and balance and combination of experience and education that will help you incredibly. So what are we going to talk about? What am I going to ask him about? I got four questions for him. And again, this is like not normal with my guests, but he is a a body composition expert. What does that mean? It means he is heavily involved in the research into building muscle and losing fat. Holy smokes, is that a great topic? Are those two great topics for this show? And the four specific points I'm going to ask him about, we're going to talk about the fat burning zone, okay? Really important, the fuzzy math behind the fat-burning zone. Then we're going to talk about the fear of building bulk, especially for women. I've talked about it in other shows, and I will continue to talk about it because it won't go away. I get asked about this almost daily, so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about carbs. Are carbs really bad for you? Still won't go away. When it comes to weight loss, are carbohydrates really the determining factor? And we're going to finish up by talking about genetics and obesity, okay? Heavy topic. Heavy topic, pun intended, but so important, and the takeaway that you're going to get from that is a positive one and a scientifically based one. And so many of those studies and that you're hearing about the headlines that are pulled like so many other headlines in fitness and exercise confuse you. and the takeaway is from that overly simplistic headline is you have no control, it's not your fault, it's your genetics give up. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the science of obesity and genetics and what that means. And yes, that there are some genes that people who tend to carry extra weight have. But when you hear what those genes do, I think you'll be surprised. I know you will be surprised. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I will have on the phone Dr. Brad Schoenfeld. So sit back, get excited, and I will be right back. All right, we are back, and I could not be more excited. Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, and I knew of Dr. Schoenfeld years ago when I was first starting out. I would see him on TV, and that's what I said earlier. I'm so excited to bring him to you because... He's truly, let's just say unicorn for lack of a better term. To have someone who actually was a practitioner, who was in the trenches, who worked one-on-one with people and, and did all that, and then to take it to the level that Dr. Schoenfeld's at now, like the top, one of the top research scientists into uh, body composition and the two things that go with that, muscle building, muscle hypertrophy is the science term, and fat loss, I mean, this is the guy you want to talk to. And let me give you his quick bio, because it's super long, and I should read the whole thing, but i give you the highlights. So again, Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, he's an associate professor in exercise science and the graduate program director of human performance and fitness at Lehman College. Uh, His primary research focuses on just what I was talking about, applied strategies to optimize body composition, which is muscle hypertrophy and fat loss. And in particular, his lab endeavors to study the manipulation of resistance training variables and their effects on muscular adaptations. And we'll talk about what that means. He's also involved in sports nutrition and its relevance to muscle growth growth, and performance. And again, this is so important, right? So you've got the practitioner side, you've got the research side, you've got the nutrition side. He's written a bunch of best-selling books, uh, the most recent of which I believe is Science in the Development of Muscle Hypertrophy, which is human kinetics in 2016. The only glaring weakness on his resume is that he's the sports nutrition consultant for the New Jersey Devils, but Dr. Schoenfeld, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> and, and I know that's where you're going right after this is done. So that's, aw- that's awesome. So So excited to have you. And yeah, we're going to talk about four different things. And anything you want to say off the bat? I mean, you've done it all, right? And you come at this in such a unique way, and that's so rare in fitness.
4: Yeah, Justin, it's my pleasure to be on. I'm an educator, so I'm always uh, happy to educate on on topics of interest. Yeah, and, and, that, and that I'm that I can talk intelligently <laughs> on, which, which is a pretty limited area. But that but uh, I can speak intelligently on. I think I can shed some. Interesting insights.
2: Well, and as we were talking about before we started going live, is you and I both love this, right? You went from being the one on one, owning your own gym, to becoming the teacher. And that's so exciting. And you can, again, help people debunk the myths. And that's why I love reading your stuff and you're prolific in what you write about. It's just so helpful to people. So let's jump right into it. <laughs> let's start with, uh so I got four different topics, Dr. Uh, Feld, I want to talk about today. And Let's just start with the fat burning zone, right? We'll talk about cardio exercise, the fat burning zone. And let's talk about the flaws just in that, in the, the model of the fat burning zone. Yeah. So
4: I think it's important to at least Provide insight into what that yes. is. So the fat burning zone is that it's kind of this mythical—I shouldn't say mythical. It's, it, there's some logic behind it, but it's a zone where if you train in a certain heart rate zone, that you will maximize fat burning during a cardiovascular workout. It's sort of steady state. The big problem with that is that it's looking at the percentage of fat burned over a given period of time, and really we shouldn't be caring about what percentage of fat is burned during a given activity. If you're expending more calories, you're actually burning. Number one, you're. You can, let's say if you burn, I'll just throw out some numbers. If you're, let's say, burning uh, 300 calories, uh, and 50 percent of them are coming from fat, uh, it's 150 calories. If you're burning 600 calories and only 40 percent of them are coming from fat, that's. I'm not great at math, but I think that's like a <laughs> Anyway, it's right. it's, uh, it's it's a substantially larger amount, total amount, absolute amount, rather than than it is, you know, eat, even though the percentage is greater, that's number one. Number two, what it doesn't account for is the fact that calories themselves are important. So whether you're burning fat or carbohydrate, the body will tend to readjust the substrate utilization, meaning fat versus uh, carbohydrate, at a later time point uh, after, after the workout. So it, really, it comes down to burning calories or what you're after. Uh, generally, if you're burning more fat during a workout... Uh, versus more carbs, you'll reverse that after the workout is over. And part of that has to do with what's called EPOC, uh, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. By the way, is higher with higher intensity exercise that's outside of the fat burning zone. The interesting aspect about EPOC is that, contrary to what it would have been promoted for quite a while, it is greater in, let's say, high-intensity interval training, but the overall, again, the absolute amount of calories that you burn just isn't that great. So we should be focusing too much on EPOC because it might burn an extra 40 or 50 calories post-exercise from steady state, which in the overall scheme of things is pretty meaningless. So anyway, the the getting back to the main point is, is that cardiovascular exercise for the purpose of body composition, you have to look at what your goal is. But specifically when we're talking about fat burning, uh, you want to look at the overall amount of calories that are expended. That's the most important factor. And Uh, If you're going to do steady-state exercise, it's going to take you longer to burn as many calories as if you do uh, high-intensity interval training. One is necessarily better than the other. Uh, They're just different ways of going about the same thing. And if you're going to do steady-state training in a fat-burning zone, you have to spend a longer amount of time doing it than you would if you did uh, an interval training routine.
2: So if if someone listening has the trainer or the friend, Dr. Schoenfeld, who say, oh, you know, the reason you're not losing weight is because you're working out too hard because you're burning carbs, you're not burning fat. So what I always tell them is you don't get more by doing less, right, in fitness. And that's what you just described in in a more scientific way. But that myth, that trainer is still out there who, you know, wants to make the client feel good, tells them what they want to hear. Oh, that's the reason you're going too hard. You shouldn't be doing the high-intensity interval training because you're burning carbs, not fat. So we can say once and for all, from from a scientific standpoint, not true, right? Correct. (laughs) Okay. You know what? I'm not going to go much further with that. So again, what Dr. Schoenfeld just said, when it comes to the fat burning, zone you not only burn more fat calories as a percentage you burn more total calories so right there even if you do burn more calories from fat and it's in a short amount of time so sure you can go steady state for a heck of a lot longer and and get the same caloric benefit but it's a heck of a lot longer right so there you go fat burning zone and by the way dr schoenfeld i am working with nautilus and some other companies now and i'm begging them to take that off the machines i mean it's people say why is it there then Right? Because it has been and it always, you know, it was and it needs to go away. I think you'd probably agree with that.
4: Yeah, I think marketing has something to do with it as well. It sounds, <laughs> you think? It sounds like a cool thing that if you have a machine that has a fat burning zone, there's more likely to want to use that machine. I'm not saying that Nautilus or any other company does, I don't know what their motives are. But that's certainly uh, in my experience. But it ends up driving uh,
2: manufacturers to put certain things on. on equipment. You're 100% right. <laughs> yeah. And I can say that to them, Dr. Schoenfeld, you know, and, and and it needs to go away. I love it. So thank you for that. So there you go. There's the math. And Dr. Schoenfeld, someone who just, you know, in a couple paragraphs gave you exactly what you need to know about the fat burning zone. And, and I would say mix it up, right? Dr. Schoenfeld, some days you go steady state, some days you do hit. You don't want to do anything uh, solely, mix it up. Yeah. I
4: mean, I would actually even, uh, I would take that somewhat differently okay. saying that so do what you basically do, whatever floats your boat. If you like, some people just don't want to do hit. so right. I wouldn't say mix it up to them if they hate doing it. Because right. ultimately, adherence is the most important thing. So do what you like. If you like mixing it up, mix it up. If you just like doing steady state, do steady state. If you want to uh, get your workout over with quicker, do hit. And I'd also finish up by saying that diet is going to be your primary, uh, while well, exercise is often promoted as a... Uh, a a great means for fat loss, it really isn't. It's it's an adjunct, if anything. Your diet is a much more efficient way of creating an energy deficit, and uh, we should think of exercise as an adjunct to weight loss. Really, there's yeah, you can you can do it two hundred or three hundred. Uh, let's say three, you can burn three hundred calories in, in a half hour doing cardio. You eat a bag of chips, and that's literally. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, it's, it's just easier to focus on diet, and uh, you'd have to do a. a been shown a lot of exercise to have a meaningful impact on fat loss. It really functions more as an adjunct in terms of helping to retain lean mass, particularly with resistance training, and, and just in uh, in enhancing the effect, not not as a sole source of losing weight.
2: I love it, and and the way I put it is similar to what you just said. I say it's a heck of a lot easier to keep 500 calories out of your mouth than it is to burn it off. Right? That's an hour sure. of pretty hard <laughs> cardio for. And I well, let me just backtrack because. You and I are so similar, and I am I'm so excited to have you on the show. And again, thank you for taking the time because I love the step further that you took it because that's uh, the term I came up with a couple of years ago, Dr. Schoenfeld, is excessive moderation. It's, you know, most people do a lot of exercise a little bit. It's do a little bit a lot. And what Dr. Schoenfeld just said is much more important than even mixing it up. It's, it's consistency, right? It's, it's doing what you enjoy consistently uh, over a longer yeah. period of time. So that is... Awesome takeaway. And you know what? I'm going to skip ahead. I had four different points in an order, but since you went to diet and eating and calories in, let's go to one of the biggest uh, debate point of contention, myths, whatever you want to call it, carbohydrates. I don't know how many, I'm an endurance athlete, Dr. Schoenfeld. So truthfully, I hate it. You know, I, I was in uh, one of uh, Shanti's commercials for uh, what was it, Insanity years ago. I nearly died. I nearly passed out from like ten seconds of jump lunges. It's not me. I'm not meant to process, uh, <laughs> you know, lactic acid. But um, yeah, let's talk about carbohydrates. Uh, and is it really are carbs bad for you? Do they cause weight? What's what's the science behind that? And we'll get into that.
4: No. Well, what causes weight gain is energy, which is calories, and specifically, it's energy balance. It's taking in more energy calories would equate to energy. So taking in more calories than you're expending. And doesn't matter to some to a large extent whether those calories are coming from fat, carbs, or even protein. Although with protein for various reasons, it's harder to gain weight eating protein. It's first of all, it's just very hard to take in a lot of calor protein based calories themselves. But anyway, but carbohydrates are not inherently fattening anything. anything. I don't think it's practically that meaningful, but it's easier to store fat as body fat than it is carbohydrates. Now, it's generally somewhat easier to overeat carbohydrates than it is fat. So, there's other reasons why you might gain more weight uh, by eating one versus another, but it certainly isn't the anything inherent within carbohydrates. It's certainly not, uh, I like to use the term insulin theory. Uh, there's no magic insulin theory that comes down at night and makes you store fat if you ate more carbs. So uh, that is a myth that insulin is the, uh, is it insulin that is caused by carbohydrate intake? So insulin is a storage hormone and for those who don't know, it's been purported that eating carbohydrates does increase insulin, but that insulin is going to somehow magically store body fat and uh, insulin can't store anything if, if there's not an abundance of it. So that's basic extrapolation of the first law of thermodynamics and uh, effect says that Uh, energy cannot be created or destroyed, just change from one form to another. So ultimately that applies to any type of energy, including food intake.
2: I love it. So for those of you listening again, and, and Dr. Schoenfeld went to the insulin, right? So a lot of the people I read this, oh my gosh, Dr. Schoenfeld on Instagram and insulin and transport. And so they've done the studies. One was in 2017, gastroenterology, obesity energetics, body weight regulation, and the effects of diet composition. And one of the takeaways, and I'm going to re- and it was a meta analysis of a study of studies, for those of you, of 20 tightly controlled studies, that's important, in which people were fed diets that differed in carbohydrate and fat content, but not in protein or calorie content. Oh, so, isocaloric, right? And here's the takeaway I'm going to read it verbatim. One of them In other words, for all practical purposes, a calorie is a calorie when it comes to body fat and energy expenditure differences between controlled isocaloric diets varying in the ratio of carbohydrate to fat. And what does that mean? it means what dr schoenfeld just said right so a cow now we're not talking about health right dr schoenfeld we're, we're not talking about like you know <laughs> if you want to be as healthy as possible we're just talking about pure weight loss and as you said energy is energy
4: that is correct when we talk about these things people bring up straw men, and they'll start saying well what about type 2 diabetes whatever that's a separate to at least some extent that's a separate issue uh, so if you want to talk about health first of all um. Although I'm somewhat up on that literature, that is not my area of expertise. I'm not a clinical researcher, uh, so I know enough to converse about it, but I'm not certainly up on all the literature uh, on that topic. But um, from what I do know, your case can be made in both ways. But certainly from a weight loss body composition standpoint, there is no compelling evidence at all that carbohydrates by themselves or that the ratio of carbohydrates and fats will mediate weight gain differentially, that there'll be any type of differences between uh, body fat gain or loss with carbohydrates versus fat, assuming, like you said, that calories and uh, protein are equated. So that's the only way you're going to make an apples-to-apples comparison. Right. If you're looking at carbohydrates, but you have a higher protein content in the lower carb diet, well, that's going to have other effects on the body because protein has various special kind of... I don't want to get into it too much. and we don't have time here, but yeah. uh, protein itself is a distinct nutrient from fat and carbohydrate that would make it more difficult
2: to... Gain weight. And you know what? That's another show. And, and what uh, I've got one right for them, I like to throw out at least one, uh, Dr. Schoenfeld. So, uh, in the American uh, Journal of Clinical Nutrition 2015, so again, relatively recently, the study was called The Role of Protein in Weight Loss and Maintenance. And what Dr. Yeah. Schoenfeld's talking about is dietary protein is known to positively influence fat free mass during weight loss, right? And we're not going to get into all Correct. that, but I eat a lot of protein. I recommend people, when they ask, to eat protein. And what Dr. Schoenfeld's talking about, I think, is is, you know, there's certain modulations in energy metabolism, appetite, and energy intake. What we were talking about earlier, right? Satiety, you feel fuller, right? As you were saying with carbs, you generally have those insulins. So it's about hunger and things like that more so than, hey, this, this type of food causes you to store. It's, it's, it's still a calorie. Correct. It's, it's dietary compliance, right? More people, it's, it's a lot easier to stay on a high protein diet than it is a low fat, low carb diet. It's just easier. Yep. (laughs) It's the simple stuff. Occam's razor so often, right, Dr. Schoenfeld, which people just don't want to believe. And this gets into, I'm going to go out of order here because we're kind of, we're getting a little flow going. There's a lot of articles out recently and been there for a long time, but about the role of genetics and obesity and the headlines scream uh, confusion as always, as it does in nutrition and wellness and fitness and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to quickly talk about when they talk about when you look at the studies, because that's what you do uh, even more than I. When you look at the studies into obesity and the horm or the uh, genes, I should say, like the FTO gene and things like that, that they can identify. It's not that the body metabolizes food differently. It's about hunger and appetite and hormones like that.
4: Um, is that a question? Or
2: a- Yes. <laughs> 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 do you agree? Well, do you agree that? Yeah. yeah no, go on. Yeah, the question would be, do you agree, I guess, that when we're talking about obesity and the genetic component, that we're talking about people being hungrier because of different levels of hormones like ghrelin and leptin and things like that. So in other words, people don't have a death sentence from their genes, right? That it, it truly still is about hunger and appetite and energy intake. And, you know, they talk about the set point. I think we'll go there, Dr. Yeah. Schoenfeld. You know, what yeah. people talk about your body fights the set point. But when we talk about fighting the set Point. It's not. It's still the set point is being fought by those hunger hormones, and then your body telling you to move less, so it's eating more and moving less.
4: Yeah, there's an interaction between your genes, and certainly the genetics are going to have to play a role. Uh, there, are, we, we all know that from the time people are children that there are differences in body composition. Some of that is lifestyle, but some of that is their gene And you talked about body fat set point. That certainly is predetermined genetically. So that is a theory, but it, there's actually strong support for that theory. Basically that just means that the body, each person wants to maintain a certain level of body fat when it deviates past a certain extent, uh, generally below, but it could be above as well. The set point will bring you tend to bring you back down to a lower body fat level if you're overeating as well. So uh, anyway, but certainly if you're undereating, if you're dieting, it's more sensitive to changes in loss of body fat. That's a, a survival mechanism that goes back to Prehistoric times to so the cavemen era, and your body will start getting hungrier, and its metabolism will start to go down. That's uh, regulated by a hormone called leptin. Or that's the primary one. Ghrelin is a more of an acute hormone in the gut that will signal hunger. Anyway, the bottom line on the genetics factor is people will have different set points. And some people, you know, are hard gainers; they have very difficult time putting on weight. With other people, they sniff food and they seem to uh, take a down. So bottom line here is that if everyone has the ability to lose weight and to maintain a healthy weight, but some people have a much easier time doing so based on their genetics.
2: Right. So you're talking ectomorphs, mesomorphs, endomorph type thing, right? The heart yeah, game. I, I I mean,
4: somatotyping, yeah. I mean, somatotyping is me a little bit overly simplistic, sure. uh, but yeah, that that would be the general idea behind it, that, right. uh, that we have different body types to also, somatotyping takes in account
2: muscle
4: mass and other things, so it's not just
2: about body sense. Right, and let's go there. That's a good segue. So one of the well, the final point that nearly ran me out of the business years ago is the fear of bulk, the unfounded, I would argue, for the vast majority of people. And Dr. Schoenfeld, I remember being a trainer at Crunch many, many, many years ago, and, you know, a woman complaining to me, I think I had trained her three times, that I had made her legs huge, you know, by doing some body weight squats and walking lunges, uh, you know. And oh, oh, can you explain? <laughs> I, we need like 10 hours on this. Just the mechanisms by which you build muscle and just that, that fear of bulk with women. What do you, What's your take on it?
4: Yeah, I'll start off by saying that it is real in the sense that bulk is perception. So, you know, what a woman can look in the mirror and think she's too bulky. Yes. hopefully it's up to the woman to decide what or not only a woman, a guy too. Yeah. As to what uh, regardless of, of your sex. Uh it's up to the person to decide what is too much muscle, what is not enough muscle. And I would never tell a woman who's I'm um, working with is a client, saying that don't worry, you're you're not too bulky. If that woman thinks she's bulky, then it's my job to help her get the body she wants and, and the results that she wants. With that said But I can comment on, because uh, from a non-perceptive standpoint, when we're just talking about the ability to gain muscle, which can be looked at objectively, let's say with a DEXA or an MRI, ultrasound testing, where you can actually look at changes in muscle, much more difficult for women to put on muscle mass than it is for men, primarily uh, due to chronic hormonal levels, particularly testosterone levels. So with women, uh, women have one-tenth or more, one-twentieth. The amount of uh, circulating testosterone is bendu, whereas women, their primary anabolic hormone is actually estrogen, which is very weak. It's anabolic, but it's more anabolic for fat mass, and it's a weak muscle-building hormone. So uh, women are going to have a difficult time building a lot of muscle now. Like I said, if a woman, woman, your job as a practitioner is to get people the results that they want, the body that they want, strength, whatever it is they're of a goal they're looking for. So um, it's not my place to say that you're not too bulky. It is my place, though, to say that it's going to be very hard for you to put on a substantial amount of muscle and then
2: it's up to you what you want to do with it. <laughs> I have to, that's someone who's been a practitioner in, in Fairfield and Westchester County, I can say, right? We, we had to deal and had to, uh, you know, with a lot of, of that body type. So, so often we want to be healthy and we want our clients to have been healthy when we were both doing that. And I would argue that quite often the body type who perceives themselves as being bulky, especially within three times, and I, and I totally agree, they, it's a perception and they should be happy, but far too often, I would argue at least, that those women are the ones who are under, you know, don't strength train and have issues later in life. Don't you agree that that, that comes with that territory to some degree?
4: Well, well I, I absolutely do. And I, I mean, certainly the one thing I always will do is to convince women, men, and, I mean, anyone that resistance training is, is an essential, not not an important, but an essential component okay, in their lifestyle. Now. There are ways to train that will get less muscle. I mean, you could do, and this is again somewhat contrary to what people think, but if you do heavier load lifting uh, with low volumes, it reduces uh, the amount of muscle you build, but you can gain a lot of strength from it. So that's where you have to kind of use your own ingenuity. But I, what I always would do would be to convince someone that's fine if you, you know, we can work on reducing, limiting the amount of muscle. But there's so many other facets of resistance training that are essential. And it's even more important, by the way, for women because uh, if nothing else, the bone density issues that women experience when they become postmenopausal. So after menopause, women's rate of bone loss goes up exponentially compared to men. Women have roughly 80% of the cases of osteoporosis, which is porous bones, versus men, which have 20%. And part of it is women start off in general with smaller bone structures, so that's part of it. But estrogen is osteoprotective; it protects bone, and the loss of estrogen with menopause really exacerbates that. So there's physical function issues as we get older. There's just a loss of muscle, and we lose muscle mass if you don't lift over time, and that creates functional uh, deficits as you get older. So anyway, uh, the bottom line there is that always will I really make a point to. educate <laughs> someone right. who right. would say that on the importance of resistance training and then work with them to get a program that would be suitable for them while accomplishing at least basic functional and, and strength related obsess.
2: I love it. And, and, I hesitate to pull this out, Dr. Schoenfeld, because it's, again, it's another 10 hours. But what you just said is contrary. I got to rewind. So heavier weights, I got to pull out what you just said, heavier weights. And say it one more time. If you go heavier weight, because I agree, and and fewer repetitions, you build potentially less muscle hypertrophy, right? But you build strength. Yeah,
4: that's correct. So volume is a uh, primary driver of hypertrophy, and you just don't get as many reps if you're going to do very heavy weight, let's say three reps you're doing 3 sets of 3 that's a total of 9 reps or 2 sets of 3 that's 6 reps if you're doing 3 sets of 10 or 3 sets of 12 that's 30 to 36 reps so your volume is triple the four times as much or more uh, when you're using the uh, lighter
2: loads for more repetitions. Uh, it's so amazing. So for those women out there who believe there's a certain celebrity trainer still out there, her name rhymes with Stacey Landerson, who says you should only <laughs> pick up, you know, nothing more than three-pound weights, um, no.
4: Which, by the way, is the most ridiculous Comment anyone could ever make. I mean, many women's.
2: Thank you. <laughs> They're babies. <than>
4: <laughs> and, so, so it's just a, and, and you know, you, you get out of bed and you're you lift your body weight. It's just, that's just silliness by someone who is extremely uninformed. And that that is one of the sad things in our industry. I won't get into the soapbox, but just the lack of, lack of education amongst um, many of the fitness professionals who are working at this point, particularly people working with celebrities who are influencers even more alarming. So that'll be my statement on that. We can move on.
2: Your statement. Oh, thank you for that. And you know what? I, I wouldn't call her a fitness professional, um, <laughs> even though she would. Uh, but that's a, you just, uh, so helpful. And that's what my show's about. That's why I have you on, someone who's studied it. And that takeaway right there is uh, worth the entire show. Although, you know, everything else we talked about is so valuable, but heavier weights, we're talking about volume. So it's basically you multiply the sets and, and the amount of weight you lift and, and the volume is what matters. And so totally debunks the women should not lift heavyweight men. When we're talking about strength and health and wellness and body composition and strong bones and functional, you know, as you get older, not falling, not breaking a hip, all that kind of stuff. So Dr. Schoenfeld just, just blew it out of the water right there with that. So thank you for that. And that's, that's exactly what this show is all about. I think (laughs) I I wanted to go somewhere else, but I want to end on that because that's so important and, and what's your takeaway with people? I think I get it because you talked about, you know, do what you want to do, what you enjoy doing, strength training and cardio, but, but it doesn't. come down to the simple stuff and just being consistent at the the end of the day.
4: Yeah, I've actually made posts about that, that for the best, for 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 many people, certainly the average uh, gym goer, get into the gym a few times a week, train hard, eat properly, uh, mostly whole foods and get uh, somewhat high protein intakes, higher protein intakes. And you're going to get the majority of your gains, really the stuff that I do and much, much, if not most, of my research is for the 10%ers or 20%ers who want to really optimize their own genetics. That you have to really start being a lot more scientific, et cetera. But for uh, basic good results where people are going to be happy, they're going to get stronger, they're going to lose uh, body fat, they're going to gain uh, muscle, and it can be done with uh, in fairly short periods of time with... Uh, now, the effort is going to be high you certainly have to push like i said you have to train hard sure so you have to train a long time and certainly you can do it very efficiently with the with not a lot of the science is not going to be all that important in that respect it's just getting into the gym and doing it
2: yeah, and I think I like to call it like second-level issues, right, Dr. Schoenfeld, where people will say to me, what type of protein should I eat? And I'll say, what are you doing now? Just just focus on eating protein, <laughs> right? Don't, right? Don't worry right. about it. is it whey protein or pea protein or just exactly. – because who's going to find that, by the way, doctor? You know, who can only find one source, like, throughout the day and get in bodybuilders, right, who do it for a living? Other than that, it's that second-level stuff we get so hung up – people get so hung up on, I would argue.
4: Exactly. Now, in the fairness to that, too, a lot of people have no clue as to what protein is – you first of all, I don't even know what protein foods are in a lot of cases. <laughs> even when they do, a lot of people think they're eating a lot more protein than they actually are. So yeah, you, you need to be, uh, especially when you're combining it with resistance training, you need to be getting in close to your your ideal body weight, at least 80% of your ideal body. If you, weigh, if you should weigh, or if uh, your lean weight would be, let's say, 150 pounds, you should be getting at least like 120 grams of protein a day. And that would be equating to four ounces of chicken is uh, is roughly 30 grams. We're talking like a pound of meat across the entire day. So it can be That can be somewhat challenging and some people can need to take in a supplement or you know, let's say whey or casein supplements sure. to ensure they get enough. But the idea is it's certainly very doable for, for the majority of people if you're eating eggs. If you're, certainly if you're not a vegan, uh, it's, not difficult now vegans have more challenges in terms of getting protein in but certainly if you're conscious with it that can happen like i said it's something that you don't need to once you understand what you need to do it's something you really shouldn't have to think a
2: lot about you know this will lead to the final question then i wasn't going to ask it but you went there thank goodness because I, i love the protein intake uh recommendations and do you think like you read i read all the time how doctors say people are getting in enough protein do you agree
4: that people aren't
2: getting enough protein or they are, are that they're getting into like we shouldn't recommend that people well, you know, it, need to it, focus on so it.
4: So the, the people that are saying that are talking about they're getting enough protein to meet the RDA, which is much lower. Right. So if you're asking me, do people meet the RDA? Yeah. The problem is, is that the RDA is not sufficient if you goal is to increase strength and muscle. Right. Uh, so when you add resistance training, it, it roughly doubles the amount of protein that is required, like, right. slightly more. So no, then most people are not, most people are getting the RDA. Most people are not getting enough protein from a uh, muscle building and a strength standpoint.
2: There you go. I love it. Uh, we, we need to do like 10 more shows. <laughs> Thank you. I, I just... <laughs> uh, I, oh, seriously, uh, you know, just so many great points and you clarified. And, and I just love you're really one of the top researchers who can take the science and distill it down and keep it simple and that's so rare and thank you for that because I think a lot of times we all try to impress with what we know when it's again taking that science right and making it simple and that people can actually do on a regular basis to get the basic results and again you say like you know you're focused on and you did bodybuilding and were really involved in that and still are but for the vast majority of people just do the little things consistently and you're going to get results and then if you want more you go to you and and (laughs) you can help them maximize their uh, their muscle gains and things like that, but so helpful. Are you off to the devil's game tonight?
4: I uh, yeah, am. We, uh, we need to win that. So, uh, yep. <laughs> I love it. So it's devil's Rangers
2: tonight. So, uh, oh, it is. Oh, I grew I up a Ranger that.
4: fan and, uh, it's, uh, now I believe devil's red. So it'll be an
2: interesting game. So that's it. I grew up an Islanders fan, and then I have two boys who play for Ranger type teams. And uh, so I hate my own kids. (laughs) And now I'm a Rangers fan. (laughs) Full circle, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure. Have a great night, and uh, let's do this again sometime. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Speak soon. Have a great day. All right. Bye bye. Thanks.
0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: When I tell you that I love my job, that I love this podcast, that I love talking about health and wellness, that I love talking to guys like Dr. Schoenfeld, I, I, it's not strong enough. It's not strong enough. Oh, my gosh. The information you just got from one of the top guys. All right. We talked about four specific topics. Let's go over them one final time. Should we? Shall we? Yes, we shall. The fat burning zone. You don't get more by doing less. It's fuzzy math. If you have a trainer who tells you you're working out too hard, that you're only burning carbohydrates, run the other way. You'll burn more calories that way, by the way, because you'll be out of the fat-burning zone. <laughs> then we jumped around. Are carbs bad for you? From the body composition researcher, one of the top ones, no. Isocaloric means the same number of calories. And I love that because we're so aligned, but that Dr. Schoenfeld spoke about the same things I've been talking about for years, too, about energy in and energy out, laws of thermodynamics, okay, And then there's studies. There's studies behind all this stuff. And protein is important. I love that he went there. I wasn't going to go there. I I need to do a bunch of shows with him. But the study, Gastroenterology 2017 Obesity Energetics, Body Weight Regulation and the Effects of Diet Composition. It's a meta-analysis, which means they looked at 20 different studies and the tightly controlled studies. Okay, there's a lot of bad studies out there. And we'll talk about that in future episodes. Like... The exercise and nutrition studies are just they're basically based on self-report. So they are inherently flawed. But the takeaway from that study, for all practical purposes, I'm reading from it. A calorie is a calorie when it comes to body fat and energy expenditure differences between controlled isocaloric diets varying in the ratio of carbohydrate to fat. And he even went that step further and talked about insulin because when people, want trainers and people like that want to be, it sounds smart, they talk about things like insulin storage and things like that, and you go, oh, God, they know what they're talking. No. And you know what? It was bad enough when I was a, a trainer in the gyms, because those trainers who kind of knew a little, they, they were dangerous because they had a little bit of knowledge, they had to memorize it at least. <laughs> now it's cut and paste. I mean, I could read the cut and paste on places like Instagram and things. So when it comes to weight loss, when it, not, not health whole nother topic. And that's, what's so important about some of these diets is when you go certain macronutrients. Yeah. You may lose weight. You will lose weight. You always lose weight on diets. What's happening to your insides. What's happening to your arteries. will leave it at that. Then we went to genetics and obesity. Then we went to genetics and obesity. Okay. This got a little muddied, I would say. And he talked about, and I think the set point was a little confusing, probably for some of you. But the takeaway is very simple. So what I'm talking about here, and what we're talking about, the study is this. Human obesity as a heritable disorder of the central control of energy balance, okay? Again, I I needed like a three- or four-hour show. So that was published in the International Journal of Obesity in 2008. Okay, and one of the takeaways is this, that most of the genes discovered thus far, listen closely, have their principal impact on hunger, satiety, and food intake. Let me say that again. Hunger, satiety, that means how full you feel, and food intake. So three of those things, those three things are controllable. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's controllable. Okay. It's not how your body processes carbs. It's not that your metabolism slows down. You get hungrier. I'm going to admit it. I'm going to acknowledge it. I should say, of course. And so here's some other things. Increased hunger levels, increased caloric intake, reduced satiety, right? So you don't feel as full. That's super important. Reduced control over eating. Increased tendency to be sedentary and increased tendency to store body fat. But that storage of body fat, again, when we talk about calories and everything we just talked about, goes to those first five points. Now, I know it sounds like tough love, but that's what the show's about. I want you to get results. So yes, you're hungrier. Yes, you don't feel as full when you gain weight. And that's why the ultimate goal is to not gain weight in the first place or not gain too much but most people will have. And that's why I have shows like David Garcia and I'll have other shows with quote unquote real people who have done it. And what did David say? If you haven't heard that show and you want to lose weight, you need to listen to that show because it's everything I just talked about. It's everything Dr. Schoenfeld and I just talked about. All my shows are going to connect. What I'm most proud of, one of my most proud things in my career, what's well, two things. It's one that I'm injury free having done all that I've done, but injury-free, because that's what it's about, first and foremost, with exercise. And the second one is I've been consistent. You can go back through any of my books, all of my books, articles. I was never doing a fad fill-in-the-blank workout. I was never doing stuff like that. I've been doing the same thing, following the same principles, protein, strength training, circuit training, since I started. And so all these shows are going to connect. And David Garcia's show on how he did it connects with what we just talked about. And it may sound harsh, but that's one of the problems. The the PC world is going to literally kill us. The message needs to be correct, okay? You need to have the right information so that you can do it. And it's a positive message. And protein, we were talking about carbs and fat, but when you eat more protein, you feel fuller. You build muscle. Protein is important. And I love that he even clarified it one step further, that when they say we eat enough protein, that's because the bar... The food pyramid, things like that, so flawed in and of itself as well. So according to certain guidelines, you are, or most people are, but those guidelines are flawed according to Dr. Schoenfeld and myself as well. I agree. And finally, and again, we've done this show. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Women in bulk. And if it didn't blow you away, I can almost ignore the vast majority of what we talked about with that. But when he came out and said... You can lift or should lift heavier weights, lower repetitions to build strength without building muscle. That should be earth shattering because it's the volume of training. There's light weights, there's moderate weights, and there's heavy, heavy weights. I lift, this is no surprise, moderate weights, high volume. I put on a lot of muscle, but it's not a valid fear. And I, and I had to challenge him when he said, and I, I get it. Wow, do I get it? when he talked about like bulk is perception, but I had to go there because the perception is also an illness for many people. If we want to go there and we will, right? The anorexic types, men and women, body dysmorphia or or disorders. That's super important. So I totally agree with Dr. Schoenfeld that it's perception and, but that's why I made sure to say, but we, they need to strength train. Right. And what he was saying is yes. And, and just in a certain way. Heavier weights, lower repetitions. Oh my gosh, I'm all worked up. I could go on forever. How great was Dr. Schoenfeld? I hope you were taking notes. And again, my goal with this show, with this type of show, with this interview, this researcher, is to get into the science a little bit, just enough to show that it comes from there, and then to take it and apply it. And I know... Some people want to go much deeper into the science and listen, I'll do that in some shows just for the heck of it when it's whatever. But that's not what this show is about. And I love, I'll leave you with this, and I tried to say it at the end, but I didn't want to embarrass him. Dr. Schoenfeld is truly unique in this business because usually PhD level people want to just so dazzle you, impress you with their knowledge, that quite often I would argue in fitness and wellness, the knowledge and, and the, their advice is not real world stuff. And when he challenged me when I was talking about high-end mixing it up. I still think you mix it up to keep challenging the body, but, but I totally agree with what he said when he said, yeah, but do what, do what you like. If you only like endurance training, do that, steady state. If you want to do hit, the only argument I would make for you can't really do hit every day if you're really going super hard, I personally believe you're going to need a rest day, so mixing it up that way. But I agree with him. And for a researcher at his level to quote-unquote dumb it down to that. Yeah, here's the research, but it's exactly my message as well. Here's the science, here's the research, but what matters is what you do every day and that you're consistent, excessive moderation. Holy cow, did I just bring that around? Thank you for listening. Please leave comments. Please follow. If you haven't followed this, wherever you follow, follow along. I need lots of followers. (laughs) It's the world we live in. I, list, I read all your comments, leave them. They've been, I get it. I'm listening to everything you say. Some I will listen to. <laughs> it's the secret to life, right? Uh, I agree with you till I don't. But yes, I listen all comments. I got a thick skin. I've been in this industry a really long time and I want you all to get results. So let me know. Leave comments about shows, what you want to hear, what you thought you missed. Uh, but, but if I do say so myself, this was a pretty perfect show. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Holland. Please follow this iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends. And uh, as always, have a great day and believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit,